listening to the Loving BDSM podcast, episode 329. Okay, the Lord's here with the one, the only, the are you fully caffeinated yet? John Brownstone. I am. Good. Finally. Yeah. I'm glad. Oh, and that shuffling noise in the back is just Lola. Don't mind. Don't mind us. Lola <laughs> the dog is, is here to join the party. Uh, this week, we're actually taking on a massive topic that we can't possibly cover in one episode but you got to start somewhere when you have these conversations and that means we'll likely come back to it in the future and we're talking about toxic masculinity in kink and ds we will talk about how it is defined before we get into the part where we talk about it in kink and ds based on our own perspectives um so yeah that that's a big one and it's a heavy one yeah and yeah that's what we're doing this week Welcome to the Loving BDSM podcast. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. Loving BDSM is produced every Friday for your kinky pleasure and education, and show notes are found at lovingbdsm.net. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite podcast app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Loving BDSM, on FetLife at Loving BDSM PC, on Instagram at that handle I will forever fucking hate, Loving DS and the number one, so that's at Loving DS1, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Loving BDSM where you can watch us live stream the podcast every Wednesday. All links are in the show notes. A big thanks as always to our kinky patrons over on Patreon, including our newest peeps. We're able to do this really weird fucking thing we do on the internet in <laughs> large part because of our kinky community. And we're grateful to every fucking one of you. If you'd like to join our kinky community and get access to extra content and a discord server with a group of super cool, super nice kinksters, you can do that. Just join us at patreon.com slash Kayla Lords. That's patreon.com slash Kayla Lords or use the link in the show notes. Okay, so before we get into today's a very large, huge, massive topic, a couple of announcements. Uh, a reminder, Saturday, November 19th, we will be at the Woodshed for their mm-hmm. shopping extravaganza that had to not happen during the height of COVID and the pandemic and is being brought back now after a two-year hiatus, uh, 3 to 7 p.m. in the Woodshed, the dungeon in Orlando, which is an amazing dungeon. We love it there. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it'll be our first time just to the dungeon since COVID. Right. Shit. Um, lots of kinky vendors. Uh, apparently, we're all taking over the whole dungeon, like both sides of the dungeon. Um if you're gonna be in the area, you live in Florida, you're willing to drive, you want an excuse other than Disney to come, I don't care, whatever, whatever. Uh, <laughs> even if you don't buy anything, come say hi to us because we'll be there with our kinkery hats on, thekinkery.com. Uh, but <laughs> we switch real quick to the loving BDSM hats, real, real quick, uh, because we will be quintessentially this <laughs> in person <laughs> as well. Except I'll be hyped up on how many sales can I make because. I'm a mercenary bitch like that who likes to pay her mortgage. So we're gonna be doing that. We're gonna be debuting some products. We're gonna be having some like uh, uh, shopping extravaganza products only. Like they won't make it to the site for a while. They'll certainly not if we sell out, like just fun stuff, but we're gonna be there. Uh, If you've ever wanted to see a dungeon, pressure free there should never be pressure but mm-hmm. I, you know what i mean it feels it's yeah. the expectations are different when it's party time this is a great time because there's no entry fee to go for the shopping event wander around walk around look around Ta-da! if you do come back for the party that night you got to pay to get in there true but that's different mm-hmm. we won't get to do that this time but maybe eventually <laughs> we'll get back <laughs> and go play again. Um, So yeah, Woodshed, November 19th, very, Mm -hmm. very soon, a week from this coming Saturday. Yeah. 
and we are still in preparation mode. We still don't have all of the products that we're planning on taking made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have, our family's, I got family coming to visit this weekend. So the whole weekend is lost. Uh, <laughs> next announcement I would like to thank Beducated for once again sponsoring the Loving BDSM podcast thank you Beducated Beducated is an online learning platform dedicated to sex and relationships and kinks and the stuff you're not going to find on those other learning platforms that mm-hmm. we all hear about all the time uh, in the month of November if you use the code LOVING you save 60% off um, only if you sign up in the month of November but the good thing is you keep that price as long as you have your membership you get the good good price Uh, It doesn't like go away after like a month or anything like that. Plus you can sign up and not pay for 24 hours. So you can like look around and see, hey, is this, is this for me? Um, We normally talk about the kink stuff, but I was thinking about our topic today. I was like, if we are all affected by toxic masculinity, everybody, even a person who's like, like JB, who's like, I have overcome what toxic masculinity tried to do to me. Um, we're all still impacted by it. And I was like, we, there's a lot of learning and unlearning to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. So I went to see what is that educated that's not necessarily kink related, but certainly can put us all in touch with sides of ourselves that God knows society doesn't want us to be in touch with. (laughs) And there are classes like sensual seduction, dating, relating and mating, a whole like, oh shit, I'm in a relationship and I don't wanna fuck this up kind of class. Learn to touch. And not just like, ooh, learn how to touch so your partner's like, yeah, baby, but like, the softer side of like those soft skills Mm -hmm. that come in handy in relationships. I was like, thank you, Beducated, for having a class for freaking everything. So (laughs) if you're like, "Mm, there's some things I could learn about sex, kinks, relationships, things I could get better at, and I'd like to be able to learn from the comfort of my own home and at my own pace, and without being overwhelmed, you should probably check out Beducated. And if you like what you see and you sign up, Use the code LOVING in November 2022 to save 60% best deal they've got. So, thank you, Beducated, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sponsoring. Okay. There, I did that thing. I remembered too. <laughs> okay. So, I know that I'm a goofy, goof, goofy, goofy goober and I'm chaotic, <laughs> hmm. but I really want to give this topic, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, the gravity that it kind of deserves because it does have such uh, ill effects on everybody, regardless yeah. of gender. Um, I do want to say we do not intend to talk about heavy, heavy topics that typically would need like a content warning of violence or abuse or anything like that. That is not our intention to go down that route, but because of the nature of the topic of toxic masculinity, it is very possible we may touch on it briefly before backing the fuck up. Uh, if you are not in a headspace for that, our feelings will not be hurt if you're like, no, I'll catch you next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, it's fine. Um, if we do kind of get into anything heavy and, and whatever, I'll put warnings in the show notes and then the description box uh, for the YouTube side. So if you're unsure and just don't even want to go there, skip it till I got to I, you know, till I put that information out. Um, But that's just the nature of toxic masculinity that once you start Mm -hmm. actually talking about what it is and how it impacts people, we we might skirt around some of those topics. So please be forewarned and take care of yourself. 
So the way we want to do this topic uh, that is so massive, we will definitely leave out something that somebody else considers really important. Um, that's it's just too big. We're going to talk about how it's defined. I found two sources that made me feel good to be quoting them. I went, okay. Then we're going to talk about what, based on our understanding of those definitions, how we have seen that play out in power exchange, kink, community, stuff like that personally, if it, uh, if it applies. And then, um, because JB is, was, I've, I've had the conversations with you about how you were raised. You were mm. steeped in toxic masculinity and should have come out much different than you did. Um, we're going to talk about your yeah. specific experiences, um, as somebody assigned male at birth, socialized to be a man, a man, and how, you navigate that primarily through the lens of kink and power exchange, but it's such a pervasive thing. It touches every part of life. We'll definitely go outside of kink and power exchange mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as well. So, whew, okay, yeah. expectation management. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've got two definitions pulled up. I have linked both resources if I haven't already linked them in the description box, I will when I do timestamps mm -hmm. for anybody who's interested and they will be in the show notes page. Um, one is a New York Times article and the other is from a site called The Conversation. And they have a lot to say in both their articles on toxic masculinity, highly recommend reading them, but let's talk about how they each defined what toxic masculinity okay. is. Um, and the New York Times says it can also be known as traditional masculinity ideology. That's another way okay. to put it. Uh, they say researchers have defined it in part as a set of behaviors and beliefs that include the following, suppressing emotions or masking distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, violence as an indicator of power, think air quote, tough guy behavior. In other words, toxic masculinity is what can come of teaching boys that they can't express emotion openly, that they have to be tough all the time, that anything other than that makes them feminine or weak. And then they, they add and will add too. No, it doesn't mean that all men are inherently toxic. And there's a whole conversation to be had on the fact that to be feminine is to be perceived as weak and it is the unwanted thing that many uh, boys and men and anybody socialized as a boy or a man uh, is is led to believe. Like that's a whole separate conversation. Mm. So that's the New York Times. Then over on the other one uh, called theconversation.com, it says the term toxic masculinity points to a particular version of masculinity that is unhealthy for the men and boys who conform to it and harmful for those around them. The phrase emphasizes the worst aspects of stereotypically masculine attributes. Toxic masculinity is represented by qualities such as violence, dominance, emotional illiteracy, sexual entitlement, and hostility to femininity. This version of masculinity is seen as toxic for two reasons. First, it's bad for women. It shapes sexist and patriarchal behaviors, including abusive or violent treatment of women. Toxic masculinity thus contributes to gender inequalities that disadvantage women and privilege men. Second, toxic masculinity is bad for men and boys themselves. Narrow stereotypical norms constrain men's physical and emotional health and their relation, relations with women, other men, and children. And it is important, important to point out that 
A lot of people talk about toxic masculinity and the binary men and women, but regardless of your gender, we are all impacted by it because if you were assigned Hmm. male at birth and raised that way, you've had to like face it, regardless of like how Mm -hmm. you dealt with it later. And if you were assigned female at birth and raised as a girl, you've been on the receiving end of it. Or if you were just perceived as feminine, you're on the receiving end of it. So it impacts all of us, even though all the conversations around it tend to be very binary. So it's just a a thing I wanna be able to say. So (laughs) what do you think of those definitions? Do those track for you based on your experience? Oh yes, they they definitely uh, cover the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because our focus is on kink and power exchange, mm-hmm. how have you seen that from your experiences online, your experiences at munches, your experience at the dungeon? How do you see that play out um, when somebody is clearly in the throes of this is what I think it means to be a man that mm-hmm. is uh, not good for anybody? Um. I have seen some minor examples of it at munches. Mm-hmm. Um, I always see it at a munch. I see it in terms of entitlement. Yes. And it tends and to be from dominant men. Correct. That's that's how I have seen it expressed. Um, have not seen it that often. Mm-hmm. And when it does occur, normally the person exhibiting that behavior um does not last long they're usually a walking red flag right from head to toe um i mean i i've seen it and and i think you should remember the the experience uh when we were at the west pasco month somebody was there and um they were sitting near someone who identified as a submissive and they were basically just giving them orders yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah you 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 remember that right uh-huh and um you know, they felt they were entitled to do that because they wore the title of Big D. Right. Um, yeah, it did not go over well. No, no. It's and, always uh, fun to see that not go well. And <laughs> and never saw that person <laughs> back at another munch. I know. It's a little annoying, though, because I can already hear the narrative they've crafted for themselves. Well, that community wasn't very welcoming. Right. Actually, yeah. you were an asshole and yeah. a douche canoe and... Mm-hmm. You just didn't like it. Um, my experiences at the at, at dungeons, um, not really seen it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the dungeons that I, and and that is going with the dungeons that I have attended, the several. Um, I I have not seen any exhibit there. Um, I, I think if behavior like that was seen at a dungeon, especially a well-run dungeon, uh, it would be nipped in the bud. And I think only if quickly. it's overt and well, only if it's obvious, because I think that you know I think we can identify it when we see it when when you talk about things like mm-hmm. some male dominant struts and starts issuing orders like they fucking own the place. They're not worried about negotiation. They've got this sense of entitlement because they're the big D. They think they know what that means, which can um many times be rooted in toxic masculinity mm-hmm. if you happen to be a male dominant, you know. Yeah. Um but I I think 
there are times when it's happening that we don't see it because it's not big and bad like that. And True. it's happening on an interpersonal thing where a person yeah. has thought they were negotiating with somebody that was one way. And then they get into the middle of either the negotiation or the play or the relationship later. And yeah. it's like, whoa. Um, mm -hmm. I think online is where it's more overt. On Online. I, and, and that's why I was saving that one for last. Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, it, it is it is very prevalent online um you know in places like fetlife chat rooms um even even dating sites from oh, my own, sure. you know um fetlife oh my gosh it 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 abounds um you know people there in their profile they state you know i have this boundary do not call me pet names um you know, do not make, you know, be respectful. Don't make lewd comment. You know, I'm an exhibitionist. It doesn't mean I'm here for, right. you know, and and, and they just, it, it just. Sure, because they're, they're either not reading the bio or they're reading it and they don't care. Right. And it's the, I imagine this is what it means to be dominant. And then mm -hmm. literally insert the definition of toxic masculinity at that point. Yeah. And so I'm going to behave according to what I think this is supposed to mean. And then mm -hmm. sadly, too many of those people still manage to hook some folks who don't yeah. understand that dominance is not automatically and should not be douchery. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. being big and bad in that air of, um, I'm large in charge and in control of everything. For some people who are into that, yeah, that can be sexy, but it's sexy until the moment it smacks into reality. Mm -hmm. of, oh, that's a, a beautiful fantasy you've just painted, but in reality, um, something hurts, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, that's actually not what I want. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, I could use some empathy here because fill in the yeah. blank with whatever. And then, you know, the reality can't, a person who fell for the fantasy that a person that a so-called dom used mm -hmm. i mean truly literally from the list of yeah. defining toxic masculinity and clearly not not even all bad doms do that but enough of them that as a casual observer of the kink world online i'm like ooh, i saw that coming from a mile away and then a person's left with but they won't talk to me they they won't listen to me they you know they are not negotiating they're not maintaining what we negotiated and well mm -hmm. yeah because in their mind they think dominance means major asshole who can do whatever they want and it's you know it's scratching some sort of you know wet dream fantasy they've always had about what it might mean to be a man because and that's the scary thing because in bdsm we play with the taboo we play with the stuff that society says we're not supposed to, we play Correct. with power and control and you get a person who has not done the work to examine themselves and why they feel the way they feel and how the way they were raised was, uh, has affected them and what it means mm -hmm. truly in a, an emotionally healthy way to be, in this case, a man. Right. And they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be tough and look in the world of BDSM, that's exactly what I'm supposed to be if I call myself a dominant mm -hmm. and I can I can do what I want, you know? Yeah. And of and course they cannot, but they sure as shit will try. And I, I, I ran across that recently in a, in a group mm -hmm. where um, the sub with this person and 
basically ignored her boundaries, mm-hmm. um, broke trust, mm-hmm. and then to top it off, um, basically was gaslighting them. Oh, God, yeah. Because, yeah, that can't possibly be true. I didn't do that. Yeah, um, yeah the... the th- I've seen this in in and out of kink communities. None of this is inherent just to to toxic masculinity in kink. It happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. But there is also the, um, a real man uh, um, will overcome those boundaries. Will make make her say yes. Because of course it's almost always heteronormative, cis-normative. Like it's it's all of the parts of the binary and the, the stuff that, you know, air quote this all straight people do know the fuck we don't mm-hmm. but it's it's steeped in that of what it means to be a real man yeah <sighs> that only ends up hurting people sometimes physically yeah. always emotionally emotionally yeah um and it's it's the part of the scary risky part of bdsm that I know it's made people go, I'm just, I'm not, this is clearly isn't for me because Mm -hmm. in order to have like an, an open community where anybody can kind of find themselves and hopefully feed into at least some of their fantasies, you're gonna get the people who are like, oh, well, these vanilla relationships don't let me be the raging asshole that I think I'm supposed to be as a man. I mean, they don't have that level of emotional clarity for themselves, but you know, I'm translating for them. and now I've got free reign. I can be as hard, hardcore, air quote all these words, right? I can be as strong when a sign of strength is not how cruel you can be non-consensually yeah. <laughs> or mean or or derogatory or abusive or, you know, mm-hmm. pretending boundaries don't exist. Strength well, is actually being able to go, oh, what I really want can't happen because of list reasons how can i still get what i need out of this how can i honor the person who's with me how can i take a step back and go oh i I, i'm sorry i was Mm -hmm. wrong that's actual strength excuse me (laughs) and you know while you were talking made me think of something and i've said this before and i'm gonna say it again because i think it's it's important there is a huge huge difference between being a dominant and being domineering. Oh God, yeah. And anybody can be domineering, but man, the ones who are like just swimming in their own toxic masculinity and they've got these ideas of what, air quote this, real men do. And then they're like, oh, but no, you know, all these, all these bitches don't want me. They don't get me. I'm looking for a real woman. And what they're mm-hmm. looking for is somebody who will let them just walk all over them right. and doesn't have boundaries. And the sad, mm-hmm. scary thing is they find those people. And then those of us, not just like you and I who have these really public conversations, but anybody just existing in the BDSM community is desperately trying to say to other people, hey, it's not really like this. Mm-hmm. Hey, you don't. You, no, you don't have to put up with this because this is not right. what submission was supposed to be for you. Um, there's also the other side of it that we don't talk about much because it's out of our wheelhouse. And I'm not going to try and pretend that we can give a lot of insight. A lot of this is casual observation. And I think 
especially women who are dominants will recognize this maybe a little bit more than even you or I will understand. But there's also the flip. So if toxic masculinity turns these air quote doms into just abusive ass, it doesn't turn them. They they come in mm-hmm. as air quote doms and they're really abusive assholes because they think that, you know, they're getting that fever dream. It also means that there are plenty of men who are actually submissive who don't know what to do with that. They either deny yeah. it themselves completely. They fight against it. They mm-hmm. like... I wish I had more real world experience to say, this is what that can look like. But I think we would be remiss to not point out that the ones who wanna call themselves Dom and just be toxic masculinity personified, they're also the ones who deep down are probably quite submissive, but because of what they've been taught by family, church, society, blah, 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 they're like, I'm not a real man. And then you've got the yeah. self-hatred and what self-hatred mm-hmm. can turn people into is just as terrifying as what entitlement can or turn shame. people into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, going back to the to seeing it online, um, many, many moons ago, mm-hmm, um, you know, when, when uh, bulletin boards were prevalent on the early days of, of the internet, you know, chat rooms, things like that. Um, you know, I've, I've found myself in a number of BDSM spaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, at that time, I was kind of trying to figure out who I was and how I fit in the community. Sure. Um, I knew I found this thing I liked, but I didn't know where I, mm-hmm. you know. And, and being in some of these, these chat rooms, um, I immediately was like, Oh gosh! If this is how dominant people act, I'm not very dominant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were they were coming across as arrogant and and controlling. You know, and my way or the highway. I get what I want. Yes, you will bend to you my will. will. Do, and some of that is sexy in a mutual consensual well, in, fantasy, in, in, but. Yeah out in the wild like just mm-hmm. raw dog and that kind of shit like yeah. no, 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 mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. and yet i know that there's some oh, sorry hit the mic there's some <laughs> slice of humanity that's like mm, actually yes that's that's mm-hmm. absolutely a turn on again until fantasy and reality collide yeah and i mean even even still it, it has not happened so much of late mm-hmm. but um you know there was a while i had people People reaching out to me, you're not dominant. And this kind of segues into the the, the next section of this, yeah. and I'm happy to kind of cross those boundaries right. of your experience yeah. of um, toxic masculinity you know, and dominance. <laughs> you know, you're not dominant. You don't act like a dominant. You don't, you know, okay, yeah, I don't all the time. I don't act I, like the fantasy definition you have in your head of what you think a dominant right. is a dominant man is mm-hmm. supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, one, you know, you are the one person I am dominant to. Mm-hmm. I have your consent. We have our relationship negotiated. I do not have to go around and prove my dominance and act 
in a certain way to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And that's the thing that goes back to masculinity under the definition of toxic masculinity and dominance under the definition of toxic masculinity of a need to prove yourself Mm -hmm. that you're a real man or a real dominant or whatever the fucked up definition is calling for. And first of all, not feeling the need to prove that has got to be so freeing. I mean, I imagine if for people who've lived under it and are Mm -hmm. doing the work to step away from that and unlearn that, it probably feels weird at first, but how freeing to not give a fuck what other people mm. who don't actually matter to you think because about it, what you're it, doing. It, it matters to, to to the two people sitting right here. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, and, and then I know we've talked about this, but this is another kind of aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do not remember who was talking about this and where heard the story, but there was a time... In, in in the BDSM community, if you were known as a dominant in that community and you wanted to switch because the um, shame was so bad, they used to travel to other mm-hmm. cities to to switch so that they would not be seen... Right, because submissive is uh, code for feminine in that in that scenario, mm-hmm. and both are seen as weak. And we yeah. know that submission is not automatically feminine, just like as we know dominance is not automatically masculine. Right. And it doesn't matter which side of the slash you are, both sides need some level of strength. It takes right. a strength to go, mm-hmm. let me be exactly who I fully, fully am. Um, yeah. And it's... We're not really touching on it in this conversation because I think that could easily take two hours to do. But Mm -hmm. it is further proof of you don't have to be a person swimming and steeped in the toxic masculinity and trying to define yourself by it and live up to those disgusting standards Mm -hmm. to be impacted by it. You can just be a person out here existing who's maybe done some of the work and is trying to be different and is seeing that there's value to a life lived outside of these definitions and these standards that most people really cannot in a healthy way meet, nor do they really want to. I think we all want to experience the full breadth of our humanity. And the problem with definitions like this is it cuts off mm-hmm. minimum 50% of who you are right. in order to meet a, a an impossible standard. Yeah. So you could be doing the internal work and trying to like live your best life, but then you also still bump up against, but people will judge me. And so mm-hmm. in, in that example, I guess I'm driving two hours one way to go be more fully myself yeah. in a way that's fulfilling. And that's just sad. And that's, it is. that's a, a, it's still a negative, but it's like a lighter side of the negativity of yeah. what toxic masculinity does to the people who like bump into it every yeah. day. And, and, you know, uh, Sala Wing mentioned something that I, I have to touch on, you know, the, the fact that it is um, somewhat of a stereotype that a dom has to be cold, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and unfeeling. And, and that to me too, you know, yes, you see that a lot in, in erotica and, you know, different sure, things like the that. Fantasy. The, the fantasy and it sounds not, you know, kind of cool, but I, I think anyone who is a big D has to have some degree of empathy. 
how can you not? How can you not? If you don't have empathy, how can you quickly, easily stop when your submissive needs you to stop? How right. can you accept the fact that they have boundaries that you're not going to be allowed to cross? If you don't have empathy, how can you see your partner as a fully uh, formed human with their own wants and needs that are deserving yeah. of care and attention, even if you are not the one who can provide for all of those wants and needs. Empathy is absolutely required. And yet, yes, by the definition of toxic masculinity, it's a weakness and that's mm -hmm. bullshit because it's a strength because the right. people who lack empathy tend to be the weakest motherfuckers I've yeah. ever come across. Right. And I don't mean struggle with empathy because of neurodivergency. I mean, literally like, they're trying to reach this gross standard of what they think it means to be a man. And that mm -hmm. means they have to cut off the emotional side to themselves. Right. The, and uh, full disclosure from a kink perspective, when I get 30 seconds in a scene of you being, appearing to be cold and unfeeling, that shit's hot. But yeah. it gets to be hot for me because I know, first of all, it's a role you're playing in that moment. Yeah. I know that if anything goes wrong, that mask will come off in and, a nanosecond. Right. I know that outside of this moment, you are not this guy, right? That's not who you are at your core. At your core, you're a yeah. warm, fuzzy, cuddly, teddy bear of a human being mm, until like you're a grumpy, a grumpy polar, polar bear. bear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you are in touch with your emotions, that you do not think that being humble, being emotional, being empathetic, mm -hmm. being just fucking quiet, yeah. right? makes you less of a man. And this is where I would like to get into because I'd like to get into your experience of how you've dealt with toxic masculinity. What, if anything, you've had to overcome or relearn or reteach yourself, like how you've navigated that. Because the reality is, is first of all, plenty of submissives who listen to us, follow us, watch us, whatever, are like, that's the kind of person I want. And sadly, they're not coming across it. Mm -hmm. Or it's there's other things. It's always complicated yeah. and nuanced. Um, and yet, as you mentioned earlier, we always have at least somebody somewhere who will watch your demeanor, see that you are not, you know, sucking up all the oxygen out of the room, being uncaring and unfeeling, um, doing all the talking, being the loudest motherfucker around mm -hmm. because clearly only your opinion would matter kind of persona. And when you're not doing that, they're saying, oh, you're clearly not dominant. And they look at me who does all the talking of that bossy bitch, but also clearly she's not submissive. And we fight against these stereotypes all the yes. time. But that one where they look at you, both a man and a dominant, yeah. And go well. You can. You're, you're lacking something. You're weak. You're not who I have decided that that means you should be, because of the very traits that make me love you so fucking much, <laughs> and that plenty of submissives across the gender spectrum and sexuality spectrum are like. That's the kind of dominant I want. So, because I, I know a bit about how you were raised, because your eighty-something-year-old <laughs> father tries to shame you oh, yeah. using toxic masculinity. Yeah. And the thing about that is most, not all, hopefully now, especially as we're becoming slightly more enlightened, um, <laughs> many, many men and anybody uh, assigned male at birth and socialized to be a man mm -hmm. 
who went, who's gone through your kind of childhood has had some similar experiences about what man, what it means to be a man, what masculinity means. And none of us are to blame for how we were raised or what was done to us. That's yeah. not our fault. That's not our responsibility. It's our thing to bear, but it's not like we didn't cause that. But there comes a point in life, usually around adulthood, it does become your responsibility to work through that, unlearn it, know better and do better. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> the big reason that toxic masculinity can be this massive subject that we talk about is because too many men will not do the work for mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons. It's a common refrain I see uh, on social media, typically of women who are trolling these toxic you know, dude bros and are like, just go to therapy, just go to therapy. Like, <laughs> like ju just go to therapy. Like that's their, the thing they say, it's not yeah. obviously gonna fix everything, but it's, it's sort of the, the shorthand for go work on yourself and right. leave the rest of us alone, right? <laughs> and that is so, so common. And so you and yeah. other dominants that I know that I admire that are men that y'all do different things and you have different styles, but you have similar philosophies. Like that's a lot to undo to get to where you're at. And it's proof that it can be done if mm. you, if you're willing to put in the work. And so that was a very long segue slash intro <laughs> into JB, how the fuck have you done it? Keep doing it, especially when you were 60 some odd years old and your father will still try to shame you about what he thinks it mean quote means to I be know. a man. I, know. I almost came through the fucking phone the last time I heard that. And it's not even my conversation. <laughs> so knowing that, that. That's a big reason why we don't talk much anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was, um, yeah, I don't know how to, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad was uh, one of those folks who lived and breathed by you know suck it up yeah you, you need to man up oh god man up yeah eh, you, i just you know wanna, like a little vomit comes up to my throat you know you 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 need to man Sorry, up and 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 you know just shrug it off and, and go on mm -hmm. and uh that that was his favorite favorite thing <sighs> So how how do you get raised in that and and other stuff you went through because it was not a pleasant childhood to get to this point where even before like when I met you you've grown in the nearly ten years we've known one another I'm gonna keep saying that until it's exactly ten years and then I'll keep talking about how we've known each other a decade um, <laughs> you've grown even since you and I met well, but you were you were empathetic you were humble you were kind you were all these you're generous you've been that way since I've known you okay. But I know you were I, like out of the womb like that, or were you? Uh, well, <laughs> and you. I'm here. You know, folks, you're gonna hear something that um, I don't even know if I've told you this before. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I knew it was wrong. Mm. All right, I just knew it was wrong, and I mean to the point that. If it wasn't for the family resemblance, which is very strong, by the way, I, 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 you know, was I switched at birth? Yeah. Okay, because I was so diametrically opposite 
yeah, of everything that they were. Your family or are must look at you like you were the cuckoo in in the bird's nest. Like, how did this one get in here? Because you are so di- so different from every member of your family through now multiple generations that I have met. Like, yeah, if it was n- y'all, the genetics is so strong in appearance. <laughs> Woo! No doubt who this man is related to. Yeah. But and it was so. So here's what's funny. You used to tell me when you were trying to explain your family to me. <laughs> And of course he does it in his kind way. Like me, I'd go, they're douche canoe fucking assholes. And <laughs> and he would say something like, well, they're they're kind of conservative and they don't. And he's trying to be all fucking polite because that's who he is, right? That's why we work. One of <laughs> us needs to be the bitch. Anyway, um, you would re- reference yourself as the black sheep of the family. Now, here's what's funny about perception yeah. and stuff and our, our life experiences. I had only ever heard the term black sheep of the family used to mean, yes, the outcast, but the outcast for negative things. Like mm-hmm. that person maybe has an addiction problem. That person ha- has been in and out of jail a few times. Like that's, yeah. you know, air, and of course, nuance being everything, those things can be true. They can be the black sheep of the family and they can still be amazing human beings. But, you know, that's how I'd always heard it. So when right. you looking at yeah. the entirety of who you are, we're like, well, I'm the black sheep of my family. I was like, what? And then I met his family. <laughs> I went, mm, okay, we're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to redefine what black sheep of the family means to me <laughs> because it, in my mind, based on what I have witnessed now and what you've told me over the years, yeah, that's, that's an apt description, but also black sheep of the family ain't, ain't the bad thing that I always associated it mm, with. Mm. It really is the, I don't fit here. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I'm in this yeah. family. So you knew it was wrong from a young age. Right. So when you were leaning into your dominance, did some of those old stereotypes and old ways of teaching crop up for you? Um, so I'm not going to say that, you know, I, I, I jumped out of the womb knowing what to do. Sure, sure. Um, Especially if you didn't have any examples. And, and that was you. it. And, and that was it. Um. I I knew it wasn't right, mm-hmm. or I should say I knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. but I didn't know exactly what was right either. Gotcha. So it wasn't really I, – I kind of stumbled around. I mean, I was always inherently – me Mm -hmm. i guess to a certain extent but it wasn't really until i found the actual community Mm -hmm. that then things really started falling into line for me was it because you had examples to follow of what you could do because then i was seeing examples of you know what it really meant for you, was it the kind of dominant you wanted to be? The kind of man you wanted to be? A combination? Both. Okay. Both. Okay. When you think about what you learned from the kink community and mm-hmm. think back to, you knew what was wrong, I mean, so you try not to do it. Do you see places where you made missteps where you're like, oh, I would well, I would have done that differently if I had Oh, known. sure. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, and again, it kind of fell back to... Um, you know, because even my 
first experience, like I said, you know, I was kind of kinky way back when in sure, my sure. 20s. I've um, heard the did not Did not have the, you know, the knowing what it was at that time. And, um, you know, then when I found the online community, like I said, I did not think I was dominant material. Sure. Then when I found the in-person mm-hmm. community. Yeah, because the online community can be such a cluster sometimes. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was when I found the, the real-life community mm-hmm. and started meeting people and talking to people. And, and I, I started going to workshops and, and going to the dungeon. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there is a place here for me. I can be that. Mm-hmm. And the rest is kind of history. Yeah. And I mean, have I done, done everything perfectly? No, I've, I've made some mistakes and, sure. you know, had to step back and, okay, we need to recalculate here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the, the biggest difference between the person just living their worst toxic masculine life and somebody who, like yourself, is that mm-hmm. you're willing to go, ooh, no, that's not working, or ooh, that's wrong, or ooh, mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. not right. And step back and recalibrate. It's the, it goes back to the humbleness. You are not so all-knowing, all-powerful, got to be right no. every moment of the fucking day, have all the answers, which that sort of thinking is not always completely just toxic masculinity, but I think it comes from that. If you're like, I'm, I'm mostly uh, an okay person, I'm doing my best, but also I have that. I'm not yeah. saying you're toxic, but... In toxic masculinity, in toxic well, masculine dominance, I, that I is mean, the thing you're supposed to I mean, always another, be right. Another thing, straight up, um, you know, one thing my father was always, you know, you're never going to be wrong. You do not. It's a weakness admi- to be wrong it, it's in a toxic we- masculinity. You do not admit your mistakes. Which is so fucked up. That's how you fuck up relationships and yeah. people and your life. and Right. Lots of things. We all make mistakes, and if you cannot admit to, at least at the very least to yourself, that you mm-hmm, have made a mistake, mm-hmm. you are just going to barrel down a path that is not right for you, not right for others. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going right. to hurt others. Whereas if you stop and recalibrate and go, whoop, whoop, no, no, that was an error. Mm-hmm. Let, let's correct a little bit. And not even a lot sometimes, just the tiniest right. correction. And then look, there you are with... A not completely shitty life, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a relationship that gets to thrive. Maybe you have a yeah. kink, you know, scene and and community that you're like living your best dominant life, like and, whatever it might be. And and I think the the part of that was, um, you know, I saw the outcome of my dad never being wrong. Oh my God! And he. I, I can only imagine what you've seen in all the years. I've seen just the outcome of some of the mistakes I've watched him make that he refuses mm-hmm. to. It's always somebody else's fault. Yes. And I'm like, you're living in in some of the worst conditions. And not because you have to be. Right. But because the way to get out of that situation is to go, whoo, I done fucked up. Let's do something different. Let me take right. the advice of somebody else. Yeah. Let me not be... And, the and, and see, there's the thing, you know, because with him never being wrong. Right, air quote that. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, you know, I saw how 
he lost the respect of so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and whereas, and and I'm not saying this should be the reason for it, but you know, you admit you you're wrong and you made a mistake. People tend to respect you a little more. It's a showing of of some sort of internal strength to be able to go. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Let me correct it. Whatever it yeah. is. And when in in the the definition of toxic masculinity that to be wrong is seen as a mm-hmm. weakness, right? Like you have to always right. be strong and in charge and in control, which means apparently you you can't make mistakes. Which that a lot of toxic masculinity asks men and anyone socialized as a man to forego a huge chunk of their own humanity. And when you can't admit your mistakes and you think you always have to be right and the whole world gets to watch you dig yourself deeper and deeper into a hole, you ironically only look weaker. Like you're trying, you think you're projecting strength and actually you look like a weak fucker who can't do the hard thing. You know, we talk about all the time, say the hard thing, have the hard conversation. The hard thing sometimes is to go, oh, I fucked up and I was so wrong Mm -hmm. and I need to correct my behavior. I need to try and fix this situation or I need to apologize. And I, it's so weird to me that that can, can be, it's not for everybody, but that can be such a difficult thing for people to do. And yet mm-hmm. that really difficult thing for people to do that many people will do anything in their power to avoid is somehow seen as weak. Well, if it was weak, it wouldn't be so fucking hard, would it? Right. To do the right thing, to care about others, to express some level of empathy can be, especially depending on how you were raised and and what your examples in life were, can be extremely difficult. Well, if you do the fucking hard thing, then you're a strong motherfucker. You did what, what? 80% of the fucking population can't do? I know. I mean, I'm making that number up. I don't know, but it Mm -hmm. sure as shit feels Mm -hmm. like a lot of people can't do the hard thing, can't have the hard conversation, can't say the hard thing, can't admit their own failures and failings and faults, you know? And yet to to barrel through fucking up your whole life is to call yourself strong and to to do the thing that is so difficult that some people's whole minds will shut down over it mm-hmm. to avoid thinking about it. Yeah. But that's the weakness. I'll never fucking understand it. And I say that as somebody who weirdly, ironically, my dad was steeped in toxic masculinity. He would be, if he were alive, he'd be about the age of your father. He had very firm ideas of what, air quote this, real men did. And yet with his baby girl, and I was his youngest child. I have a half sister that I've never even met, whatever, that's a long family drama story. (laughs) Um, He didn't, he never wanted me to take shit from a man. He wanted me to be independent. He wanted me to um, be in charge of my whole life. Now he still had very, very clear, outdated, old fashioned ideas of what women did. But for all that he was, he absolutely thought showing his emotions uh, also, and I've seen this said online a lot and I, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Only men and to- especially steeped in toxic masculinity could, uh, say that women are the emotional ones because they've redefined anger as not an emotion, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So my dad didn't think he should show emotions except he was always angry. And that there were things he was supposed to do and that when he didn't do those things, he was weak and it was, it was awful. And, and I cannot imagine how fucking miserable parts of his life were 
just to be walking around thinking that. And yet the way he wanted to raise me was take no shit, start no shit, take no shit, is what he said, be independent, you don't need a fucking man, blah, 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 right? And then he died way too early for me to figure out how he would have adapted to the 21st century. I have no idea, (laughs) I don't know. I'd like to think he'd be the cool grandpa, but no promises. Um, And so, you know, Again, like in in my case, I saw, I didn't have the language for it. I saw what toxic masculinity did, but I was raised differently. So like my brain kind of can't wrap around, like why do you think that way? Especially, mm-hmm. and I, I get it, it's it's a, it's an unseeing um, denial because it's like from the outside looking in, I'm like, your life is a shit show right now because of the choices you've been making. But if you can't admit that you're making those choices because maybe something right. went off the rails for you at some point, then you can never fix it. So I can't understand the mindset, but I do understand denial because it's so fucking powerful yeah. for people. <sighs> now I would like to, I want to say, cause while I am happy to put you up on a pedestal and uh, proclaim you the best daddy dom that ever walked this earth. Um, I can say that toxic masculinity is never like an issue we have to deal with, but there are some last vestiges of it for you that you clearly work on and they're funny because I know that it's not coming from a gross toxic place. It's just (laughs) stuff that feels normal to you that because of the nature of our relationship, I sometimes have to go, what are you doing? So there are some things we've negotiated that for some people would be part of toxic masculinity. Like, um, what's the word I wanted? I was thinking of it earlier. Chivalry. You open Mm. doors for me. You walk on the safe side for me. You like we have things that we do that we've incorporated into our power exchange willingly. We negotiated them. You said this is what I want, and I went. I am willing to do that. And so therefore, activities that can absolutely be defined under patriarchal expectations and toxic masculinity, we've redefined because choice is involved, consent is involved. Mm -hmm. I had a choice, you did not just place a demand on me, I could have said no, we could have figured something out differently. Or if I said no to too many of the things that were important to you, we would have found out we weren't compatible, we would have moved on with our life. But at no point would you have like, had a burn it all down kind of mentality because you didn't get what you wanted, like some people do, okay. So I can see where there could be, I understand why people from the outside who have no concept of either an individual power exchange relationship or BDSM and power exchange in general can look at some of what we do when it's in a heteronormative way, right? Mm -hmm. And go, well, that's just toxic masculinity with, you know, some fancy toys and, you know, with a bow on it or whatever. And that's a gross misunderstanding of how it all works. And we all know that. But for all that, you are a genuinely good man, okay? You are like, in my mind, when I'm like, what does it mean to be a good man? Your picture is in the dictionary next to the definition. Like, that's how I see you. However, that doesn't mean that, again, we are all impacted by certain elements of it, Mm -hmm. lighter elements. I'm getting there, I know. It's a long, long, (laughs) is it a non sequitur? I don't remember, anyway. Wind up. Wind up, thank you. You You do one thing, and it actually comes from a place of caring, so I don't ever get mad about it, but I do give you shit for it. <laughs> you don't do it all the time, but you do it. You, my friend, are a mansplainer. Yeah. I mean, this man will sometimes with a dead ass serious face, 
explained to me this the equivalent of how to put a key in a lock and unlock the front door. Like not that exact conversation, but something as simple and basic as he's watching me do it, he will also give me instructions. And because just because I'm submissive don't mean I've lost all my opinions or my sense of humor. Now, when I realize you, it's happening, I swing around and I go, "Excuse me? Yeah, what are you I, doing?" I I do and <laughs> I, I do try to work on that. You do. And and I and sometimes some of that is just me giving you shit, too. I know there is also that. My <laughs> The thing is, is, and the reason I don't, like, if you did it all the time, I would quickly be annoyed by it. It would be too much. And what are we doing here? But it tends to come on the heels of you've been kind of in teaching mode. You were teaching me how to do something. Yeah. And you needed to, to explain yourself. And then... It's never like right back to back. It's like the same day, a day later, something else is coming up. And somehow you've assumed, I don't know how to do it while I'm actively doing it, y'all. And you go right back into explainer mode. And I don't, I rarely get angry because I know where it's coming from. It is not coming from a toxic place of, you think I'm too stupid to know this thing. So therefore you, the big strong strapping man need to step in and save me from myself and prove how smart you are. I know it doesn't come from that, but it is like a vestige of that kind of thinking of, well, you know a thing, I probably don't. You should tell me, not wait for me to ask, not, right? And a couple of times you, I think it was, been a couple years we were going through like a weird disconnect period and you you did get on a roll and like three times in a row mansplained something to me and i went by the third time i was done i went what are you doing do 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 you think i'm stupid and what i love about you to your credit the moment i pointed out to you you were horrified like because at first you did it the first time I said something. You're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, mm, denial is so powerful. The second time we were kind of fussing at one another and you didn't want to hear me. But by the third time, now I had three examples and you were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. And I, I say this to say you can do all the internal work you want. Some shit's just going to come up. And it's not always about the thing you do that can be bothersome or offensive or not great. Like, it's not a good look. It's about how you handle it when somebody says something. Like, ideally, you wouldn't do it at all, sure. But mm -hmm. I point it out, and you go, oh, shit, yeah, I'm sorry. And then it, I'll go months and months, and you won't do it, which is why it's so noticeable when you do it. It, Like, I'm sure somebody who's actually objective might watch our behavior and go, oh, I see a couple other things, whatever, whatever, I don't care. I noticed that one because it's my own personal, like, pet peeve. Like mm. if I ask you to tell me something or I'm confused, if I say, I don't know, I want to hear, tell me everything because I'm trying to learn. But until I ask, I hate that assumption. I don't know. It, it's, it's right up there for me with unsolicited advice. I hate unsolicited advice. When I solicit it, give it to me. When I don't, sh shut up. Okay, I don't want it. <laughs> it's just a pet peeve. So for me, when you're literally telling me something that I'm actively doing, and it is rare, but it it's one of those like long-term relationship things. That each, we each have things that annoy the other person and we're just probably always gonna do them because now it's hardwired into our personality, but it's not dangerous. It's not toxic. It's not gonna kill the relationship. It will give me a good joke later to share. <laughs> um, but again, I go back to, it's not that you do it, it's how you handle it. Yeah. You know, so if somebody out there is like, oh, oh shit, I kind of recognize myself and how I want to work on it, I want to get better. 
I, I say that sort of to go, there might always be some little things you just do because they're so kind of ingrained in you, their habit, you think you're helping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the fact that you do them that is necessarily the bad thing, it's how you handle it. It goes back to being so stubborn that you can't admit your own mistakes. If something feels difficult to do, have the hard conversation, right? Share your feelings, admit you have feelings because in toxic masculinity, that's one of the things I tease you about, but I love about you. You cry more than I do. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I have emotions, damn it. And I am very in touch with them. And if you can't handle that, you can get the fuck out of here. And I like that about you too. Right. Will I give you shit about it? Yes. And I give you shit right back. You're right, because Scorpi- I'm not the, crying. You're the Scorpio <laughs> bitch from hell. I mean, we're like, people were like at a funeral and everybody's sobbing and I'm there dry eyed like, well, I mean, they were 120. <laughs> I'm sure they're probably happy that, you know, they're not crusting away in a hospital bed anymore. Like, I mean, I, that's the stuff that I'm yeah. right. Yeah. So, and I do love to tell the story about how I thought you were just watching YouTube and you were just watching YouTube and you came across, what was it? The Pink Floyd documentary. It was a documentary on Pink Floyd. And I walk in and you're just weeping. Not, no, this is not a a single teardrop. This is not a little sniffly weeping. And you, it's, it's important to you. It's meaningful to you. I'm not trying to like shit on you for it. Still my first reaction, this is where toxic masculinity gets me sometimes because I know who raised me and I know how he was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck are you crying? (laughs) And I had to, I had to reel that back in and I realized what, what I sounded like. (laughs) But before I interrupted myself, difficult things that, are about your humanity, tears, mistakes, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a sign that that's not the, to to lean into those things and do and admit those things or act yeah. upon those things. That's the strength. Not to deny a full part of who you are as a human being and barrel on like bull in a fucking china shop, just breaking everything, but going. But I'm a man. Like what the fuck? I just got no fucking patience for it. There's so much more to be said. And I think at some point we need to have the conversation from a submissive perspective who, in the sense that we could talk about being on the uh, receiving end of toxic masculinity. (laughs) Um, I think I'll give us some time because this is a big one and it's kind of a heavy one. Because even if you do not use the term toxic masculinity, but you recognize that type of person, most of us have been impacted negatively by that type of person. Yeah. And if you are like, I have never been impacted negatively, and also you were raised as a man, I would like you to go maybe <laughs> double check yourself. Like it could be you were just a really uh, fortunate mm-hmm. that you never come across that kind of behavior, but uh, maybe it's you as well. <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, because yeah, it 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 affects everybody. Because we all know that one that one guy that thinks they're always right, even when they're definitely wrong. We have come across that one guy who, you know, will do like the most abhorrent things. If you are online as a kingster at all, you have seen the behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and you and if hopefully you've been repulsed by some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've all and, and then if you're like a guy who's just trying to like exist out there and do the best you can and unlearn whatever you might've learned. 
about toxic masculinity, any of that kind of stuff. And then you meet a submissive who will have, may have trust issues because of their encounters mm -hmm. with men. You are being impacted by that because you literally have to like do the work to go, that ain't me, you know, I'm, I'm different. I'm trying to be better than that kind of thing. So we're all impacted by it in some way. Yeah. And, you know, people get, some men get really pissed off about the idea of toxic masculinity and some women too, you know, the traditional roles kind of thing. And there's nothing, I personally don't want a traditional, traditional role. I say as a female submissive, I know who I am. Um, but if you're gonna, like, I don't think there's anything automatically wrong with air quote this traditional roles, but I think there has to be an intentionality to it. And there's gotta be a, con a, a huge amount of consent to mm -hmm. it. You have to have the freedom to go, this isn't working for me, or this right. this ideal we had for how we were gonna conduct our power exchange or how we were gonna be as individuals is not surviving exposure to reality. Like reality yeah. will not let this happen. And so we have to shift in some way. And if you have that freedom, then yeah. I think you can have those air quote traditional right. things. I mean, if, if, you, you, if you think about it, you know, you, you watch, um, well not watch, but you know, one, one of the big things in lifestyle from a lot of people is uh 1950s household. Yeah. Okay. And you know, you look at it, you, you look at a 1950s household from today's lens, mm -hmm. you know, the, the toxic masculinity wrapped up in, in them, mm -hmm. you know, is huge. Can be. You know, and, you know, when you see it in the lifestyle, I mean, it is, it is consented to, it is negotiated. So, and I, I think you can be that traditional masculine head of the household, blah, blah, blah. And you can be empathetic sure. and humble and kind, you know, yeah. and it's okay. It's okay if you cry a little at a sad mm -hmm. movie. Okay. When, when Bambi's mom dies, that's not a spoiler. It happens in the first, like what? 30 seconds. <laughs> it's okay. If you get teary old yeller, it's okay. If you get teary, you're not less of a man. Right. And I think it goes, it yeah. goes back to the intentionality. It's the understanding why you are taking on, again, air quote the word, traditional roles, right? Mm -hmm. um, what it means to you, like we've talked about, you don't have to know why you're into what you're into, but I do think if it's a risk mitigation thing, there is risk to taking on a role that if you read the definition of toxic masculinity, you're like, Oh, oh shit, this sounds like the role I'm, I'm trying to be in. This right. is, sounds like what I'm trying to do in a relationship. Well, there's a risk there. There's a risk that it gets taken too far. There's a risk that it's unhealthy. There's a risk that it turns abusive. There's risk to that. So if you're like, I want 1950s traditional, or you know, I want my partner to be a man's man, and I'm gonna be, we don't say woman's woman. What the fuck do we say? I don't know, but whatever, whatever the opposite equivalent of that is. And you're, you're saying that's what you want from a power exchange perspective, then part of the risk assessment is how do how what do you do if it goes too far, right? Mm -hmm. um, how does that person who's trying to be the man's man, oh, big, huge, massive air quotes there, are they empathetic? Are they kind? Are they humble? How do they handle it when they don't get their way? How do they handle it when you are fully human and have mm -hmm. something going on that changes plans midstream? Like, 
if you're not having those conversations and thinking very intentionally about why you're choosing what you're choosing and how you're gonna navigate the very real life that will fuck you up, right? And and derail all your plans, if you're then you're not properly looking at the potential risks. So then it stops being, air quote this, cause there's no such thing as total safety, but it stops being safe power exchange, right? Like you have to acknowledge that there are risks to everything we do, mental, emotional, and physical, and then say, okay, if there are risks, how will I handle them? Even if I cannot conceive of what those risks are, what do we do? How does that person handle, you know, plans not going according to plan? Like those are the kinds of things I think that are important to, to think about. Be, air quote, traditional if you want. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. I care about if this is a thing that can be safely navigated so that both people involved get to express and live in the full breadth of their own humanity in a way that doesn't mean they literally have to shut off parts of themselves. Cause what you repress explodes out later. You, nothing stays repressed for long. Yeah, no, it's, it's coming it's, out in another way, somewhere, somehow. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about the, the ways that toxic masculinity is defined, it hurts everybody. It hurts everybody involved. It, it gets on strangers. It hurts all of us. We are all affected by it. So have your traditional power exchange, your 1950s, your whatever, whatever, whatever but still do the work of being a bit introspective, talking about the reality of it. And like, if you're a person considering a partner for this, think about, do they have empathy? How do they handle rejection? Can they admit when they've made a mistake? Can they say the hard thing, blah, blah, blah. And that's my lecture for this week. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I said it, I've said it multiple times. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna keep saying it. it's a huge topic. There are so many things we did not address that would have fit in with this conversation. I know. Um, I have no doubt we will come back to it at some point, but I think this is, we've we've gone on and on and on and on. So we should stop now and go into a bonus section, yes. which will be lighter hearted yes. than the conversation. Yes. Uh, and I'm also glad I could give folks uh, an unofficial, not not uh, pointed at, but definitely kind of there because my blood pressure went up. Kayla Rant, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> hey, Lola, bumping into my legs. So yes, we uh, we can go into yeah. a bonus section if you'd like. We can be done. Okay. So so are we good? I don't know. It's not for me to decide. Okay. Keep, Keep it kinky, kinky y'all. y'all, and we'll see you next week. Yes, baby girl. Can I talk to the crickets, please? You, I'm surprised your voice isn't uh My throat hurts. From... It's scratchy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a lot to say. You did. I've been you holding did. on to this topic. It's a big, big mm-hmm, one. It's a heavy mm-hmm. one. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, so, go. sometimes I see a lot of uh, us, you and me, JB, in uh, X and Silent Wing, because in the live chat, X said, if there's an emotional scene in a movie, there are tears flowing from my eyes, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes, that's JB. And the very next post in the live chat was Silent Wing 
with a rolling their eyes emoji. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes, that's me. And I, <laughs> not gonna lie, sometimes feel like a total bitch because he'll be sobbing. And I'm like, why, why is he crying? I would never shame you for it. I would not. But I do, I'm like, but it's not that sad. It is. I don't know. I mean, I could blame the childhood trauma of being told I would be given something to cry about. <laughs> and that now being hardwired into my my psyche. That's pro- I do cry. I do cry at stuff. You do. There have been like Disney movies and animated stuff that I'm sobbing over. <laughs> and the kids and you are like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> like clearly not. <laughs> I can't believe y'all don't find this emotional. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so for the bonus section, we had to take our, we, 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 we had to, <sighs> both cars were overdue for an oil change. Way overdue for an oil change. The price yeah. on that went up, it doubled. Yeah, because yeah. of the cost of oil. Right. And um, part of the reason it was put off for a while is because of the amount of juggling that has to go into putting Oh my God, 85 schedules have to be like. Assess yeah. to figure out when somebody can have a car and doesn't need a car, and because we become a one-car family with three people who have different places they need to be. Well, four people if you count youngest, mm-hmm. but that's school. Mm-hmm. That's easy. So we get the car in for the oil change, and we knew with the car you drive, the Rav Four, his car, I drive right now, whatever. Yeah. Um, we knew it needed brakes because we had already right. talked to our auto repair person the last time at the last oil change. You said like, last oil change that, you know, by the time the next oil change gonna rolls around, you're going to need brakes. So yeah. we knew that. And then in that same conversation, had been like, mm, you're going to want to watch your tires here. They're looking a little iffy. And we've had the tires on the Rav Four a long, several years now. So we're like, okay, it's about due. So we get the, my Corolla, the, the mm-hmm. car that the 17 year old drives, in and out of the shop in like two hours. Like it was easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. It was great. Then we had an appointment to drop the RAV off the next day at 2 p.m. Yeah. I'm trying to drive around to go pick up. I was I was gonna go pick up the Corolla. I was gonna have the 17 year old with me and he was gonna drive the car and I was gonna drive the RAV. And we were gonna like go on our merry way and I'm driving to go pick him up from school and the RAV starts making a noise. And mm-hmm. I am that person who cannot explain what the noise is, where the noise come from. I'll just like mimic the sound for you because I don't know, I don't know. So I call JB and I'm like, I'm afraid to, to drive around too much. I wanna come home, I want you to listen to this because I don't know what I'm hearing. Well, we get the car in early, thankfully. They worked with us. Yeah. It ends up total, by the time we were done, it was an oil change, mm-hmm. front and rear brakes, yep. all new tires, yep. and a new alternator. <laughs> $2,000 later, we and two and a half days later, we have our car back. Yep. Um, I didn't say this for podcast folks could hear, so I'll say it here. Uh, we had that situation where we were like, oh, look, look, it's not so financially tight. And then the car said, hold my beer. <laughs> I swear to you, I've never had a vehicle where that didn't happen at least once yeah, in the lifetime yeah. of owning that vehicle. Every time I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, look, we could fill in the blank with what we thought we were going to do. No, we just bought the new guts of a car. But it's a paid for car. True. And the alternator got 160,000 miles on the RAV. Yes. That, the alternator had never been replaced before. 
We replaced the brakes regularly. It was mm-hmm. just time. We replaced the tires regularly. It was just time. It all happened at once. It's still ultimately, for right now, knock on wood, cheaper than owning a new car and having a car yes. payment. And we don't have a yeah. car payment. But it was like, okay, I'm going to need to take a deep breath before I look at this receipt. Because they were quoting us prices individually. So first we knew how much the uh, oil change was. And I actually don't think we got a price on the brakes. We just know we, we always go there yeah. to them. So we weren't worried about it. We were like, okay, that'll be a bit. Mm-hmm. But we're expecting that. But then they're like, oh, the alternator is going to be blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, yeah. the tires are going to be blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I suspected about the tires prior yeah. to this. Um, which was another reason why I was putting off getting the car in. Uh, when she came home with the car, when I told her to bring it home, I wanted to hear the noise. Yeah, the noise was very prevalent. I thought it might have been the drive belt. Which probably would have been a, a cheaper fix. So a little cheaper, but not probably not much. But yeah, it turned out to be the alternator, um, which not, it was the uh, bearings going bad so if we had waited it would have gotten worse oh worse and worse until the alternator stopped working and then then that would have in turn killed the battery because the alternator wouldn't be charging the battery and the car would have been running off the battery yeah Yeah, i would have just become big snowball e kind of thing it was just like oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah the car hey the car runs better i haven't even gotten to drive it yet jb drove uh that's now what the fourth time in the last six weeks you've driven fifth time maybe yeah yeah we're getting there getting there we're getting there um yeah leg's still a little weak yeah uh, right right leg is i was telling at our patreon q a we do once a month if you want to join us on patreon blah, blah blah links in the places but we were um we were given an update from your Friday MRI, I think we mentioned it in mm-hmm. last week's bonus section, and we were talking about we'd been BAM parents over the weekend, and March Man come to Tupola, and that leg is so weak when very rude people blocked the stadium seating that you needed to get to, you were hand, hands and feet crawling up the stadium steps, and yeah. by that second step, I was not sure you were making it up because I, I could see your leg just giving out. You yeah. did not have the strength on your right leg. Yeah. So... So yeah, I'm I'm hobbling along, but uh, doing better. Yeah, yeah. You've got more energy than yeah. you have. You're much less grumpy polar bear. <laughs> Look, I think a certain level of light grumpy polar bear, as long as it's not pointed at me, is yeah. fabulous. Okay, uh, <laughs> and I'm very I try to be very empathetic when I know that the grumpiness is coming from pain or. Right stress or those kinds of things mm-hmm. but everybody's got their limit and uh I, ha- I had reached my limit a couple weeks ago so it's very nice to see you've gotten some relief and you're more even tempered than you have been yeah well um with the exception of saturday um the, the pain has not been as bad yeah uh, it's been been somewhat manageable, which has helped my disposition immensely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and like I said earlier on, um, you know, I'll be going to, to see an orthopedic here shortly mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. kind of see what options I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, welcome down to my my lower back is not good. Yeah, <laughs> not good at all. So yeah, and then in the meantime, we're prepping for the 
vendor thing at the woodshed on November 19th. Yeah. Um, everybody's had a million appointments and I'm the main driver. Um, I have my own appointments coming up, uh, depending on what the storm does and how Mm -hmm. the doctor's office handles it. I'm going to go as long as I feel safe to drive, but we'll see. Um, it's just a lot. Like I'm behind on loving BDSM emails and DMS. I'm behind Mm -hmm. on comments. We're applying to comments. I'm behind on working on loving BDSM projects that I started before your back went out. Mm -hmm. And we're also behind on prepping for the the market on November 19th. I have of the 200 of one product, that's still kind of a little bit of a surprise, uh, of the 200 of one product I wanted to have made and ready and blah, 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 by next week, mm-hmm. I've only made 50 of them. So that's delightful. Uh, <laughs> of the other product that we wanted to debut at that show, we have all of the pieces. None of them are ready to be assembled together. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And my mom comes on Friday. So that'll be Friday afternoon. So I'll get Friday, the day this episode uh, goes out on podcast apps. I'll get the day to kind of work. But then I got to stop and go pick up the 13 year old from school. Assuming there is school and we think there will be. Um, so I lose that whole afternoon evening because my mom will be in town. And then Saturday, we're all supposed to do stuff together. That's a lost day. Sunday, there's no pretending that, oh, maybe we can do No, no, no. We're going to Orlando as a family to see Hamilton. I've mm. never seen a live theater performance ever. I've, no, that's not true. In high school, I saw Shakespeare. I did see Shakespeare. But like, I've never I've never gone to New York and seen Broadway or off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway. Like, I've seen I d- cats on Broadway. You've, you've done shit. I have not. I've seen Shakespeare on stage and the couple times when I was a kid I did it was fascinating but Mm -hmm. like the first time we saw Hamilton was on Disney plus y'all that's that's been my only experience with that so yeah um so that's exciting but also there's that part of me it's like oh my god do you know what I could do with those hours (laughs) so I'm gonna try and make it a good visit with my mom because she won't be back for Thanksgiving this was her time to be able to come in November um so yeah yeah. 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 Um, Amora, just to give you the quick Cliff's notes, um, a lot of stuff happened. My mom being sick, my mom passing. Um, oh, yeah. Amora commented that they haven't yeah. been here since you got hit by a vehicle in <laughs> yeah. September of 2021. Yeah. 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 There's some stuff yep. that happened. And then around August, I started having some health issues. Um, and then in between it all, then my back went out in September. Um, my back has always been a little bit of a problem, but it is, um, as I'm getting a little older, it's getting a little worse. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, it's, and yeah, I think it's accurate to say we've been going through it. Silent Winged also pointed out that after spending $2,000 on fixing our car, <laughs> I should not have glossed over the Patreon like that. <laughs> I never want to be that content creator that goes, oh, boo-hoo, let me tell you how much I just spent on a thing. By the way, Mm. here's where you can give me money. Like, oh, I oh, oh, (laughs) no, no, no. I just figure I'll always just be really honest that we're broke. (laughs) And then you do what you need to do or don't, and it's okay. Um, So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I think, I don't, I can't find silver linings to shitty things that, 
you go through or we go through, but I can find silver linings in life in general. Mm-hmm. I am that really annoying person. I don't go find them for other people. That's tacky and rude and insensitive, but I certainly find them for myself. And I will say uh, what we do here in the bonus section specifically, when we talk about what we're going through, <laughs> is just add to the layers of reality of, yeah, we're power exchange. We consider ourselves 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Also, if you think we're like, when you ask, are you doing a lot of kink scenes? And we go, no, we will absolutely paint the picture for you of why that might be. Right. <laughs> this yeah. is, I don't know your reality of living in power exchange, but this is our reality. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the view. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're either here to commiserate, be an example for or against, or make you feel better about whatever you're going through. Because if we can do that for you, I'm happy to. Yeah. Uh, but it, what it does is with everything going on, I'm not feeling as creative as I usually do. I'm not being as right. responsive. Like I'll just let social media languish for two or three weeks because I'm like, I just can't even right now. When uh, all the online things say, well, good little content creators. <laughs> <laughs> especially those who would like to afford uh to be able to buy a car uh they do things different and i'm like but i'm a human being who only has yeah. so much energy to devote to anything in a given day so oh, that's why we're yeah. so professional here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so you know yeah i mean it's it's been <coughs> bless him i had to call oh okay dry cough my throat was yeah. like <laughs> but i mean you know through it all we're uh we're we're managing we're doing good yeah it's it's certainly been worse than this over the past whatever so I, yeah I, here's what i'm grateful for we could pay to have the car fixed yeah like that's i know as old-fashioned as this sounds that's a fucking blessing like mm-hmm. if it had been what two months ago we'd have been walking everywhere what yeah. the fuck like or I'd have just had to cry every time I started the car and hear the, the whooshing. It was a whooshing sound. That was how I described it. When it's a whooshing sound. <laughs> when I press on the gas or when I do this or I do that, it sounds like whoosh. There you go, X. I gave you the sound. And <laughs> JB listened to it and he described it to the person at the car place and went, it's a whine. And, I, and the guy knew exactly what he meant. And I was like, no, that's a whoosh. But okay, if the official technical term <laughs> is a whine. <laughs> I would not have walked in there and gone, there's a whine when I turn on the car, blah, blah. I'd have gone, it's making this sound. Whoosh. <laughs> and that's why I'm not in charge of this stuff. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. That's our life, y'all. <laughs> on the one hand, we're overcoming toxic masculinity every fucking day. And on the other, we're just trying not to drive our car like we're the Flintstones. Like, that's right, really right, what we're right. trying to do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's, it's, uh, if, if you're new here, let me just state the obvious. It's not all kinky all the time. When was... It? I haven't even still gotten my birthday spanking and my birthday was... I know. Two weeks? a week and a half ago yeah what's today's day it was 11 days ago and we could have if we had thought about it maybe gotten it in this morning before 
the 17 year old go i know we also we got a gift card a restaurant gift card for our anniversary for my mom and we still haven't gone on our wedding anniversary date yeah i know and when we look at the calendar of okay when can we go like we cannot find an open night and i and i told her i told her i said we do not should not put this off too long i know because the last time we procrastinated on our valentine's date Mm -hmm. and look what happened everything went into a got hit with a pandemic our lack of a valentine's date brought on the pandemic we (laughs) are that powerful (laughs) we are so what if we had finally just gone on a date night we could have ended it all I don't, I don't need that level of power or responsibility. I'm not built to handle it. I'm not built to handle it. Okay, we can't stop talking, but we need to, so I we know. should go. Yeah. Uh, Silent Wing did ask a question that I don't have an answer to, which All is, right. have we figured out when we're going to do our monthly hangout because our our date it starts to get wild and wacky in the month of yeah. November? No, we haven't, but as soon as we figure out when that will be, we will we will say something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we are going to finally go, even though we keep procrastinating on Mm -hmm. it. We keep saying we're going to go. We are actually going to go now. Because we like hanging out with these folks. We do. It feels so good to be here with y'all. Yeah. I I hope we give y'all some measure of, yeah, it feels good to, like, be listening or watching or whatever, be in this space when an episode comes out. It feels good on our end, too. I feel like I can be kind of, like myself Mm -hmm. my most self like not my mom self not my wife self not my submissive self not my lady in the grocery store just minding her own fucking business self like i can be my full self um so oh tayshu i wish we could they're probably not gonna let camp phones or anything in the craft thing tayshu was like live feed the craft fair probably not Mm -mm. but i will take a lot of pictures of us (laughs) Okay, we're going to go. For real, yeah. for real. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Bye, and thank Especially you. to the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Um, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Okay, we're going to go now. Bye. Bye.